I see these youngins up here having a good time in the Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's why I believe Sunday mornings are the family event. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings shall my praise be perfected. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I know I told you last week we're going to start going through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I got to tell you something and confess something. I lied to you because of the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit would do. But I want to talk to you this on the subject this morning. Remember I told you I'm a Pentecostal preacher. And if you're a Pentecostal preacher, if you're a Pentecostal church member, if you believe in any effects of the Holy Spirit on the church today, this title right here ought to be enough to get you saying, let's have church. Because I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's about time. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 16. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. So God's got wisdom that is hidden, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Wait up just a minute. For our glory. All throughout the Bible, it all talks about God's glory, giving the glory to God, God's glory. But there are things that God wants to do in our life that is going to elevate us or take us to another, what a lot of preachers say, the next dimension or the next level. These things are hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Next verse. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. For now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can we know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." Will you stretch your hands, pray for me as I pray for you. Father, bless the reading of your holy word. Help me this morning, God, to communicate the message and the word that you have placed into my spirit. I pray that every ear be anointed to hear, every mind be made ready to comprehend, and every heart be made ready to receive what the Spirit is saying unto the church. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. 
And the church says, Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated all over the house. I want to take a few minutes this morning to talk to you about being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about when you get saved and the Spirit of God moves into your life and that gives you that conviction. It gives you, oh, you know that's wrong, Josh. You know that's right, Josh. You know you got to do some things. I'm not talking about that element of being of having the spirit of God but I'm talking about the subsequent acts of salvation the infilling the baptism of the Holy Ghost this is a furthering of your relationship with God once you have come to the knowledge of his saving grace the Holy Ghost is something that we must have knowledge of that we must have understanding about that we must be acceptable to or else other things are going to fall short. And we can sing songs about we want your fullness, but you will never have the fullness of the Godhead without the third person of the Godhead. You have to have the Holy Ghost. God is in the earth now as we speak through the person of the Holy Ghost. We think about God. We think about him sitting on a throne in a big golden heaven. Angels are singing around him, and he's that's the Father. I want you to know the difference. Sometimes when we say God, we're talking. When you say God, that's, that could be any part of the Godhead. God the Son, God, or God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when I say God help me, are you talking to the Father? Are you talking to Christ? Are you talking to the Holy Spirit? And listen, that is okay. I'm not saying you're wrong for saying that. But when you think about God, all of a sudden our minds typically shift into the heavens uh, uh, that, are, that have paved streets of gold and uh, uh, gates of pearl and walls of jasper and this just magnificent, beautiful, holy God sitting on a throne. But God is in the world today also through his Holy Spirit. Most known in Scripture as If, if I was doing a talk at Trace Diaz, I would tell you this is a write-down. The Holy Ghost is also known as the anointing. When you receive the Holy Ghost into your life, brothers and sisters, hear me clear. When you receive the Holy Ghost into your life, you have received a supernatural, holy, heavenly anointing that does not come through collegiate classes. It does not come through prophetic speakers. It does not come through an oil bottle at an altar. It comes from the holy, divine, true king, amen, through his spirit, hallelujah. So next time, I'm going to give you an idea. Next time you think about God, before you picture him sitting in a big old rocking chair in the heavens, amen, with a big, nice, pitiful, pretty desk, with Georgia pictures hanging up all around his office and, and everything, and Atlanta Braves posters and things of that nature, and a couple of white tails mounted on his wall. Before you think about God in heaven like that, maybe it's just me, I want you to think about him living right here where you are, right now. I am amazed at the amount of new generation preachers that preach the Father, which is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with that. They preach Jesus. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. The preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those that perish. We must preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
But they leave some of the best and most important teaching out of their doctrine. And that is the teaching of the Holy Ghost, which is not fine. If they are going to preach about the Father and they are going to preach about the Son, there has to be teaching and preaching about the Holy Spirit. But we have come into an era where we preach about the Holy Spirit. And because there's so many things that are mysterious about the Holy Spirit, we tend to leave it out because it's hard to explain. It's explainable. It's infallible. that I go. In other words, I can do some great things. I've been raising dead folks, cleansing blinded eyes. I've been healing lame leopard. I've been bringing uh, women with issues of blood out of 12-year poverty. I've been bringing dead girls up off of beds. I've been taking men that are paralyzed and letting them walk with their beds. I've been calling fishermen and tax collectors and liars and, and, and whoremongers. And I've been calling them into repentance and creating a, a birthing of a church. But it, all these great things that I have done, it is better that I go. So I can only imagine the anticipation. You're going to have to explain something here, Jesus. How would it be better if you're gone? Oh, but you don't understand, church. If I stay with you, I can only be in one pulpit at one time. I can only be in one house at one time. I can only be in one town at one time. But if I go, then my Father will send the Comforter, and He will teach you and lead you and guide you unto all truth. And the God, the Spirit, is a Spirit. God is a Spirit. And the Spirit will live on the inside of you, that where I am, there you might be also. And though you may walk into the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. You might be on the mountaintop with feet like hinds feet. I'm going to be with you. You might be in a hospital room pleading for your life. I'm going to be with you. You might be in divorce court. I'm going to be with you. You might be going through the biggest struggle of your life. I am going to be with you because the Spirit is omnipresent. It will be everywhere all the time and it is the Spirit of God. Something about the Holy Ghost we might understand. And this is not to put down any generation because you might be a part of a generation. It doesn't mean you're guilty of the generation's problems. So before we jump to conclusions, I want you to remember, I'm only 34 years old, but I've never thought it common sense or normal to eat Tide Pods. And I never in a million years thought that I would have to open a manual to my vehicle and it'd have to tell me in bold letters in there, do not drink from the battery. That is the generation in which we live. You need simple instructions like, 
This knife is for cutting meat only, not yourself. But in my grandparents' generation, in my parents' generation, even in my early generation, there was a pendulum shift in spirituality, and it created an atmosphere of emotionalism. Everything was emotional. And listen, that is okay to an extent. The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul. In other words, my mind, my soul, and my spirit. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. I will bless his holy name. Amen. So it is okay. My emotions are a part of that, that I must, I must have an emotional connection to God. When the Holy Spirit comes on in my life, I have emotional problems. I do emotional things. In other words, there are going to be moments when I get emotional and I cry because of the moving of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be moments that the excitement that I feel is going to give me chill bumps. There's going to be moments that when the Holy Ghost moves and I see someone coming in a wheelchair and I see them slowly stand up and I've seen it with my own eyes. Someone been in a wheelchair their whole life and slowly stand up and little by little as they got straighter and straighter, my eyes watered, my hair stood up, chill bumps all over my body. Why? Because I was witnessing a miracle with my own carnal eyes, something that I cannot see, ear cannot hear and neither has entered into the heart of man. But the revelation of God was right there in the room. And I felt these emotions where I just wanted to run, scream, and shout. Emotions are a part of it, but it's not the end means. There are going to be days when you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're going to walk in, you're going to leave feeling deader than you came. There are going to be days when you stand up and preach a sermon. You can ask my wife how many times I'll text her, whoo, I can't wait till Sunday. I think it's going to be a good one. And then I'll leave Sunday. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know if I just went to church or a funeral. And because God is not concerned with making sure we leave emotionally excited every service. I've told you the testimony, but we got some new people in here, so I'm going to share with you just briefly. When I first, when I came up through church and I came up through CAMS and MIP and even as an associate pastor, people always told me, you never want to pastor a church on the west side of 75. Because South Georgia is predominantly east. South Georgia Church of God is predominantly east side of 75. All right? When you get over there and you, if I get asked to come preach a revival or pastor appreciation, I'll walk in there and I'll say, it's so good, I'm excited. I appreciate the invitation to come preach for pastor so-and-so. And somebody will stand up and give a message in tones. And like, whew. I just say thank you for inviting me. I can't imagine what's going to happen when I start reading the Bible. And I mean just the Holy Spirit just moved. And they always told me, you don't want to pastor a church to the west side of, of 75 because you get a lot less spiritual movement. And a long time I didn't understand that. And I'll be honest with you, it is a little bit different this, the further you go west than it is the further you go east. When you go east, like I said, you go in there and you can preach about Kentucky Fried Chicken and you can reference it to some kind of spiritual, somebody's going to run around the church. And don't get me wrong, I love Kentucky Fried Chicken, but it ain't never made me run around the church. It made me drive past churches to get to KFC. Amen. But I ain't never ran around the church for KFC. But, I was raised, and I got to experience that when I preached, man, you would leave 
feeling like, man, if T.D. Jakes wants some pointers, he can call me today. I just preached, and that whole church was on fire, son. Woo, that was good, you know. Well, then I started pastoring, and there's a little bit of difference between pastoring people and evangelizing. I remember a group from this church came with me to Newton, Georgia a while, a couple years ago, and, and uh, invited me uh, to a church I was invited to come do a revival for. And I had a group come from Northwood to support. And one of them jokingly asked me, why don't you preach like that when you're at home? I said, because I only got to deal with them for a week. I got to deal with you all year. <laughs> but it was, it's a little bit different. But anyhow, back to my testimony of, of what happened. I had been raised, in, man, my, my idea of a successful sermon or a successful message being preached was how did the congregation react and get involved, which was a bad ideology. It was a bad theology. It was a bad understanding of what my purpose was to preach the word. I wasn't supposed to be preaching to get a reaction to justify my good deed or my horrible deed. I was supposed to be preaching the gospel because God said preach the gospel. And whatever happened, it was on him at that point. It was no longer left up to me. In other words, if it was a great service, then God gets the glory. If it was a bad service, then he was trying to show somebody something and they didn't receive it. But either way, I got to do my part. But I didn't understand that, so I'd preach. And I learned to justify my actions or justify my preaching based off of how the congregation responded. Well, when Ashley and I moved to Northwoods, I had, we hadn't been here maybe a few months. And I remember telling Ashley, I was like, I feel so much love here. I love, I love being here. I said, the people obviously want more. I said, but it is so hard to preach because it stays so quiet in there. I'm up there preaching, getting all hyped, hyped up and excited. And, you know, for those of you that was here, was it a Wednesday night when I talked about the different spiritual walks you can have? And I wasn't talking about maturity and progress. I'm talking about I just burnt my hand, Holy Ghost, and I just stepped across the ditch, Holy Ghost, and, and I just walked like a chicken, Holy Ghost. and You know, all these different movements you see in Pentecostal churches. So we wasn't seeing any of that, and I, it, it began to bother me because the way that I had allowed my mind and the enemy to, to prove I wasn't equipped for the job was based off of how the congregation responded. But God showed me something one day after a Sunday morning service, and I felt like I bombed it. I was like, man, I felt so good about this. I was like, surely, I don't care if you are dead. You Lazarus is fixing to rise in this service. I mean, this is good. And I got up there and preached, and I felt like I bombed it. Like, whew, I'm glad they got Jesus to go to Lazarus' tomb because he'd still be there if it would have been me. And I'm standing at that back door. And people are walking out, and we're greeting them, and we're saying, thank you for coming, thank you for coming. I'm slowly, they don't, under, they don't know it, but slowly I'm checking pulses as they leave, making sure these are our live people. And I noticed two or three people walk out, and they're holding their Bible in their hand like this, and I just kind of glanced, and I see knots, uh, not, I see notes and underlines and asterisks. And I'm like, hmm. Then I see another one walk by, same thing, pages full of stuff. And God spoke something to me. He said, would you rather have an emotional excitement in your church service that gets people excited, but when they leave, they don't even remember what you preached? He said, or would you rather have people that will hear and heed to the word of God, that will write down the vision and run with the vision and say, I want to take hold of the word. And to this day, to this day, I still... I'm going to have to call Sister Melissa out. She can tell you what I preached three years ago. 
I don't even know what I preached through. Do you remember that church? Do you remember that sermon you preached in June of 2021 uh, about this and that? And that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, it was good, I hope. You know? But there are people that can remember because they're writing it down. In their, and God showed me something very important about the Holy Spirit is it's not about excitement all the time. But any time you are hearing about the Word of God, even though you may not see a corporate-wide excitement, an emotion of excitement, never should I not be excited about the Word of God. All right? Now, there is nothing wrong with emotions. But we must realize that that is only a part of what comes with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Jumping into it, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. I don't think I have anybody up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God hath ordained before the world unto our glory. So it says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And as I was reading this and studying this and, of course, being, in, being led by the Holy Spirit to talk about this, I, was, I had a, a revelation given. I, I seen something that I had never seen before. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. So the wisdom of God is spoken in a mystery, but in order for the things that were ordained from the foundation of this world to come to pass, there has to be a spoken word. God himself couldn't even create the heavens and the earth without first talking. He had to speak, and then there was light. Let there be light, and there was light. He spoke, and it came into existence. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So <laughs> this told me something about myself. This told me something about us as a church. There were things that were hidden in who we were meant and called to be before you and I were ever created. There is something that I have to speak because nothing can happen without it first being spoken. But, but there's a hidden wisdom that God ordained from the world for our glory. So before there was ever a walking beast, a swimming fish, a flying bird, or a talking serpent, God had already laid out some plan for Josh Toomey. So whether he was going to be anointed, whether he was going to pastor, whether he was going to marry, who his spouse was going to be, who his children was going to be, what his gifts were going to be, how he was going to flow in the anointing, how he was going to be used, where would he have fear, where would he be excited, where would he be broken, all of these things were being written into the DNA of who Josh Toomey was going going to be before the world. In other words, who you were meant to be was written into who you are and who you're called to be before the foundations of the world. Before there was ever a sin committed in this earth, there was already a plan for your life. The hidden wisdom. See, the anointing, the plan the plan for your, who you're going to marry, the plan for how you're going to raise your children, the plan for where you're going to go to church and how you're going to uh, operate in the ministry and how you're going to be used, all was written into your DNA long before you were ever a sparkle in your daddy's eye. And now I have to speak it for it to come to pass because it's for my glory. Oh, that's, that's good for somebody. you gotta, you got to get there. So many people, I have seen it over and over. I'm going to go to church, and, and the altar calls going, and people are stepping out and going down their seats, and they're telling themselves, Lord, 
he's got a word for me, he'll call me out. Don't get me wrong, that's happened. I've even done that. I don't like to do it because I have been rejected before. Obeying the Holy Spirit to call someone out for a word and they shake their head and say they're not coming. That's a horrible feeling when you're in front of the whole people and you're flowing in the anointing. Somebody's like, I ain't, I ain't coming. Move on, move on. It's almost like being on the price of the right. And they say, you are the next contestant on the price of the right. And everybody else is like, oh, I go, oh, I did one dollar, Bob. And then you got that one in the back like, so you came to church, you want to know God, you want to walk in His glory, but you're not going to come. But anyhow, I've heard people say that if, they, if He's got to call me out, and if He calls me out, I know the Lord wants to tell me something. And God has done that, just like for getting, laying the fleece out. God will prove Himself in those ways, if it's in His will. But there are moments that we have to take faith walks and faith steps. And we have to step out when he won't put a do on the, on the, on the rag for Gideon. There's got to be moments that he won't tell the preacher to call you out by name. That you're going to have to step out in faith. And you're going to have to step out knowing. And see, there are things that have to be spoken. There are things on the inside of me, but I won't, they're hidden. So until they are spoken, until they are revealed, I'm never going to know what they are. The Bible says there is a hidden treasure in every earthen vessel. In every earthen vessel. Now I want to read from verse 8 to verse 12. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Staying right there for just a moment. As it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared. Hath prepared. Not has preparing. Not is in the process of preparing, but has past tense prepared from before the world in his hidden wisdom, which is a mystery to the carnal mind because there isn't but one way to know God and know the mind of God, and that is through the Holy Spirit who knows God, who is God, amen. That is the only way to know what my purpose and destiny is. So I want to take a little moment to put a disclaimer right here. You can go to all the conferences you want to, and you can go to some of the biggest pastors you want to, and I would even say you can even seek out some of the best prophets you know, but I don't care how many of those things you go to you cannot find you cannot go to them things and find your purpose in your destiny by going and hearing somebody else teach you on how to know who your purpose and destiny is. you can buy every purpose driven book out there and every destiny driven book out there and still not know what your purpose and your destiny is because it is only God who can reveal the hidden mystery which was laid before the world amen for our glory in other words can't no man tell me who I am. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's got to pull it out of me. He's got to bring oh I feel something in the room this morning. He's the only one that can wake something up on the inside of me and say all those years ago Josh you think you can't talk in front of people but I'm going to make it where you can't shut up in front of people. There's something on the inside of you that is stirring you but you don't know what it is and only God can reveal it. I has not seen. Well, you don't understand, Brother Josh. This person's educated. Education is wonderful. But the only thing that you can be educated, education and science go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, science is a core class of education. And 
Science, the definition of science is the knowledge of. When there was a debate going on of, for, between atheists and Zachariah, Ravi or Ravi Zachariah, there was a debate going on and Ravi Zachariah asked the scientist, he said, what is science? He said, well, science is the knowledge of. He said, so science is basically everything that you have proof and evidence to believe. He said, yeah. And the atheist mentality was, that's why I don't believe in God. Because there's no proof or evidence. I believe in science because there's proof. He said, so if I gave you, and he had this big board right here, and he drew a big old circle. He said, would you say that you have learned and know everything there is to possibly know about science? He said, absolutely not. He said, so in this circle, will you go shade what you believe the world has discovered in knowledge? If, if this circle represents everything there is to possibly know, he said, I want you to go shade what you believe we know. He goes, he shades a little pie section, a little small. So is that, uh, Rabbi Zachariah asked me, he says, so all of this is unknown. And he asked, the, he asked the atheist, he said, so is there a possibility that God exists somewhere in this stuff you don't know? He said, well, yes, possible because we don't know. He said, but I don't believe it because I haven't discovered it. So even though he was willing to say he doesn't believe in God, and he said he doesn't believe in God because there's no evidence, he was also willing to say, I can't prove that there is no God. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man. In other words, no one can inform you of the mystery of God. Paul himself, full of the Holy Ghost, even said, there are things that remain a mystery. So even when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, when we are full of the Holy Ghost, we are the house of the Lord. Individually. But when I come through those doors on a Sunday morning, we become corporately the house of the Lord. Even though the house of our house, the Spirit of God, when we come in here corporately, we represent a, a, an atmosphere in a house for His manifested presence, not just His indwelling presence. In other words, we want unbelievers to come in and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. If an unbeliever walks through the doors and all I ever tell people, I am the house of the Lord, I am the house of the Lord, this isn't the house of the Lord, this is just a building. But if we come in here as a body of believers and we corporately represent, amen, a place of is manifested present, then when he manifests, unbelievers can be brought to knowledge of the power of the Holy Spirit by what they see in the manifestation of a corporate house of the Lord. Amen? I hope I didn't lose you there. But eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has entered to the art of man. This cannot be trained. You can't go watch another church online. You cannot watch what another church done and took steps to become who they are and realize your purpose and destiny. You can have good ideas, you can have decorative ideas, but it doesn't set you apart from the world. Having the name church on your sign doesn't set you apart from the world. You could go out there and put Northwoods Church slash Bar and Grill. A sign is a sign. I would, I would choose not to speak that over our church. But what I'm getting at, you could come in these doors and you could, you could serve coffee or you could serve sweet tea or you could serve, you know, uh, caviar. Those are just good ideas. But guess what? When I go into hotels, they serve coffee. They serve snacks. 
It doesn't set us apart from the world. It's a tool that we use to make people feel welcome in this corporate atmosphere of the house of the Lord. But those are not the things that sets us apart from the world. So what sets us apart from the world? Is it the fact that when you walk into my office or you walk into Pastor Ryan's office or you walk into my dad's house, there's a, there's a plaque or, or Brother Bill's plaque that says ordained bishop or ordained minister or exhorter. That doesn't set me apart from the church of God. That just means I went through educational training. No different than someone that went through, amen, uh, uh, NASA training and got a certificate that says I'm a NASA pilot. Or whatever the case may be. Those things don't set us apart from the world. Churches have an administrative side just like the businesses of this world have administrative purposes. The thing that sets the, that sets the church apart from the world is walking in the mystery as the known knowledge of who God is, what God is going to do, having the mission known that is a mystery to the world, but it is revealed to those who love God because we have yielded ourselves to the filling of His Holy Spirit. And now this church is not ran by Pastor Josh. This church is not ran by the elder board. This church is not ran by the by the other pastors. This church is not ran by the members. This church is a is, is not a democracy, but it is a theocracy. It is led by God. It is ordained by God. It is is called by God. It is vacated. It is dictated by God because He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what sets the church apart from the world. You cannot be informed of what God has for your life. It has to be revealed by the Spirit. Going on, it says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither is in the heart of man. Verse ten. Listen to this one. But God hath revealed them unto us by His what? He didn't do it in a conference. He didn't do it in a singing. He didn't do it by a book written by your favorite author. He did it by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Amen. There, there are days that we come to church wearing arm floaties when we ought to be coming to church wearing diving outfit, diver's gear. Amen. Trying to get into, we don't want to just tread the surface of the water over and over and over. I want some folks to walk in the door with diver's gear. That said, I want to go into the depths of the Lord. I want to go into the knowledge of God. I don't want a good emotional high. I don't want to just shake and sweat and feel good. I want to know that I know that I know that when God called me, He called me without worry. He called me without concern. He called me in spite of my past. He called me knowing that I can do what he said I can do, not because of me, but because of the spirit that resides in me. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, set the spirit of a man which is in him. I'm going to pull a Johann Brewer on you. Is there anybody in this room that knows Josh Toomey? Is a trick question. That's what I wanted to say every night at a revival. It's a trick question. You might know who I am, but what's my favorite color? I don't know. Absolutely not blue and orange. Red and black has a very close place in my heart. But, okay, what's my favorite food? Trick question, all of it. What's one of my worst fears? <laughs> Has been. I 
guess, I guess he knows me. <laughs> the point I'm making is, you know me, do you really, really know me? You know who I am in passing. You know what I do. You know me. You may know what I do. For, you may even know my hobbies. But do you know everything there is to know about me? My wife probably don't even know everything there is to know about me. I don't know everything there is to know about my wife, other than the fact that she thinks I am the most beautiful, handsomest man to ever walk the face of this earth. A man, I know who I am. I can answer any of those questions. I may have to think about some of them. But I know who I am because of the spirit I have in me. I, I'm Josh. In other words, even if I lie about it, how do you know? Because I am the only one that knows me like, like other than God himself. But on this earth, I'm the only one that knows me, who I am, what I like, what I dislike, because I am Josh. I can't talk for anybody else out there, but, but that's what he's saying right here. He said, for what a man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. You've got some professors in seminary classes that can teach you head knowledge, but they don't know nothing about God. Because no man knows God but the Spirit of God. The Bible says no man could even call Jesus Lord, Christ, Son of God, unless it be said by the Holy Ghost. Well, that's easy, Brother Josh. I can say it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is, again, get off, get, take the arm floaties off. Let's dive deeper. Let's dive deeper. He says, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So if, if, if Scripture is telling me that the only way I can really come to know the mystery of God, i got to know the one that knows God. If you really want to know me, you can ask my wife, and she can probably tell you more than anybody else out here. But I'm the one that can tell you the most about me because it is the spirit of the man that knows the man. It is the spirit of God. It is God's spirit that knows God, what his will is. Moving on, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I hope you just understood that there is a difference between teaching and Holy Spiritual teaching. There is a difference between man teaching Man's wisdom teaching and the Holy Spirit's teaching. There is a such thing as a dead church. There is a such thing as a dead ministry. Because those are things that God hasn't breathed life into. Because they're not led by the Spirit. The only way to have that life is through the Holy Spirit. Moving on. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. How many has ever heard the phrase, don't cast your pearls before swine? It's not just a phrase, it's a scripture. How many, how many hours have been wasted by children of God that want so bad, not to lead people to Christ, but to lead people to guilt? You want people to feel so guilty of what they don't believe that your, your, your goal of leading them to Christ is left and your idea of teaching them and showing them their shame is more important. 
You need to know that you're an alcoholic. You need to know that what you're doing is wrong. You need to know that you're going to burn in hell for it. And though those things may be true, how much closer to God does somebody get because they know that? They don't know that because they don't understand the Spirit. So we are more beneficial to teach people the Holy Ghost has the answers that you need. Lead them to the one that is higher than I. Lead them to the one that has more knowledge than me. That's why I tell you, I might be your pastor, but I don't feel ashamed if you ask me a spiritual question. I don't have the answer. God didn't call me to be here to be your heaven Google, heavenly Google. He called me here to preach the gospel, but there are things that are still a mystery to me. There are things that I have not discovered or uncovered yet. That is why I believe it is important for us to be able to work as a body of Christ because there are a lot of things my fingers and hand can do, but they can never operate and do what my knee does because my knee was designed to do what my knee does and my hand was designed to do what my hand does and my hand would be wasting its precious time in life trying to do what the knee does. We got to remember God is the head of the church. And I am just a member of the body of Christ. And if I waste my years and my days and my ministry trying to be every member in every part, I am going to lose the ability and the revelation that God has hidden from before the world to ever be open and revealed to me because I'm too busy trying to be members I ain't supposed to be. Not operating in it. But anyhow, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Moving on, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. In other words, what I'm saying is don't cast your pearls before swine. You are not going to make someone that's not spiritual understand spiritual things. You are not going to make someone that is not a child of God understand the importance of being a child of God. You've got to be led by the Spirit on what to say that would pique that person's interest to study or to see or to understand. If they come to you and say, I've been having this feeling like what I'm doing is wrong and I might need, like I need to seek help. There's an open door right there and teach them about how conviction works. God's not condemning you for what you've done, but he's convicting you to draw you in because he wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free from that feeling of, of shame and regret and guilt. And he wants to give you a new. But they're not going to understand it. So you can talk to your blue in the face. You can, you can spit scriptures like an like a Eminem rapper. You can do whatever you want to do. But you're not going to make them see it because they're not spiritual. They cannot see with their physical eye what is in the spirit. They cannot hear with their physical ear what is spoken in the spirit and spoken before the world. i got to hurry up. Verse 14, it says, for they are foolish unto them. You want to know why people come in and they think Pentecostal people are foolish? Because they don't understand the Spirit. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, not only can you not teach a man the wisdom of the Spirit, but they, can know, they can, can't even know the, the spiritual gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, they might be able to quote 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the different gifts and ministrations of the Holy Spirit. But do they really know them? No man can know them because it has to be done spiritually and has to be spiritually discerned. And verse 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. In other words, everybody out there judging you because you do spiritual things, 
It's, it, that would be like going to court and some dude on the front, on the steps on your way in to be judged telling you, oh, you're getting a life in prison. It doesn't carry any weight. Who cares what the person on the steps thinks about you? It's only what the judge says that matters. So they might be trying to judge their opinion of what you deserve on you, but they're not judging you. For the man that is in the spirit is judged of no man, but yet he judges all things. Last verse, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, but he that it may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Do I really know all things? Do I really know all? No, I don't know what's going to happen at 11 o'clock tonight. I don't know who's going to be on the road on my way to work in the morning. I don't know what lies ahead of me tomorrow. But he says here, you have an unction from the Holy One, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, and you know all things. I don't know any of that. But the Spirit that is dwelling on the inside of me knows the mystery knows the things that I don't know. So though I may not know them in my mind, my spirit, the spirit living on the inside of me, knows all things. So when it is ready to be revealed to me, it'll be revealed to me because the knowledge is already there. It's been a hidden mystery from before the world. It's already there. I don't know it with my mind, but the spirit living inside of me knows it. That's why you can step out on faith when God says, go speak to this person, and you don't know what's going on. And as you start talking, words just begin to flow. Why? Because the Spirit on you knows what that person's going through, knows what that person needs to hear. You don't know it with your mind. That's what keeps you from stepping out and doing it. But when you do it and obey, then the one on the inside of you, the unction from the Holy One knows all things. He can begin to un un uh, reveal and unravel. We have learned about the Holy Ghost and the depth that we have learned was tongues. And this has led many to become skeptical because tongues is something that we don't understand in our natural mind. And anything that we don't understand, our human nature, it is human nature that when you see something you don't understand, you criticize. So the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost teaching has been, people have become skeptical of it because the church has done a bad job teaching what the Holy Spirit actually does and what he's for. It's more than just tongues. So when people started seeing that every time the Holy Ghost moves, you're supposed to talk in tongues. And when I pray for you, if you don't talk in tongues, then you're not saved. And this teaching has been driven into the minds of people, and now they are skeptical of the Holy Ghost because of the idea that tongues is the ultimate finish of, of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When we teach, even in our minutes, that it is only the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but yet when we pray for people and when we try to have a good altar service, we want everyone to speak in tongues all the time. And I'm not putting tongues down. Believe me. You're going to have a problem on your hands if you come to this preacher and you've got a problem with tongue talking in this church. I got a problem with fake tongue talking, but some of us, amen, we don't tongue talk tongue, tongue talk enough. And I'm going to show you why it's important here in just a moment and in the weeks ahead. Tongue talking is extremely important as a Holy Ghost filled believer. But it's not the ends mean. 
I want to help you this morning by teaching the fullness of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And that is not that the end result is tongues and interpretations, but rather it is the revealing of the hidden mystery for your life individually and corporately so that the manifestation of His Spirit can reveal the deep things of our Father. Come on, somebody. The purpose of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to reveal what God has hidden in mystery over your carnal life so that when you became a spiritual being, a spiritual man, it would be revealed in your life. The gifts of that are tongues, interpretations, working of miracles. Amen. The word of this, our spirit of discernment, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and, and, the, and the faith and all of those things. Those are just the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal God's plan for my life and who, what my purpose is on this earth. That is what I have to teach this morning. That is what it is my purpose and my goal is through this whole thing. It's not to just tell you how important it is for you to come up there when someone prays. If you want them to quit early, you better speak in tongues. Tongues is not the end. But as you will find out, a prayer language is a means to an end. You want to get to the end, tongues is going to play a part in that. Amen. To be a tongue-talking believer. I'm not talking about you having to give up in church services and give out messages. But having a, having a language that is between you and the Lord, that, heaven, that hell can't interrupt, is something you're going to need to have the revelation of God revealed in your life. Isaiah 46 and 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Musicians, if you want to make your way to the stage. He said, remember, go back to verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Now, he was making a statement right here that was going to pique the interest of the prophet and anyone he shared the word with. Before there was a verse 10, verse 9 started something. He said, I am God and there is none like me. I am God. There is no one else. In other words, God was saying, there is not another of my kind. There is not another one equivalent to who I am. There is not another one that can do what I can do. There is nothing else that exists in the heavens, in the eternity, or in time that can match what I am. So what makes you different is the question. And he tells us in verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, what you and I, what makes us different from being God is when you and I are born, we work from the beginning towards the end. But God said, I am God alone and there is no one else like me. So I stand at the end looking at a finished product and I start the beginning. But I don't work from the beginning to the end. I work from the end from the beginning. I work from the at the end and I bring from the beginning. I am God. In other words, God is 
already standing at the end of your journey and he is already orchestrating your steps and he has already declared in Isaiah 46 and 10 he said my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure he said I'm standing at the end I am author and finisher I am first and last I am I am alpha and omega I am at the end looking at who you are going to be not who you was when you started but you're down here don't know who you're going to be because it's a hidden mystery and you're walking like this but God is on the end saying come on come on I know who you're going to be I know what's on the inside of you I've given you my spirit to make you into what you are going to become and he's dragging he's dragging you through life and that's why I love to take Romans 8 28 and say I'm we know all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he did predestinate then he also called and to whom he called he also justified and to whom he justified he also glorified amen so when you are standing at the end with God one day you're going to see over your journey that all the way along he had your calling in place he had your justification in place he had your glorification in place why because when you got to the end he's going to say welcome in my good and faithful servant but you cannot get there by yourself there are so many people he predestinated us I was teaching one night one Wednesday night in here and I got into an argument right here in church it was a nice one it didn't get ugly but I had a person who was probably the furthest thing for being a spiritual teacher, tell me that God predestinated who was going to hell and who was going to heaven in our Wednesday night service. And I said, as much as I want you to know that you're right, I got to love you enough to tell you you're wrong. God didn't predestinate anybody from hell. He set our end from our beginning. See, when we quote Romans 8, 28, a lot of times we think that's for everybody. We walk up on our job saying, oh, don't worry about it, Felicia. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. Don't worry about it, Bobby. All things work out. That word doesn't last for everybody. Look at what the first three words of that. And we know. Who is we? Well, it's in the scripture. To them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. See, there are so many people that have not discovered the Holy Spirit. And they are walking from the beginning to the end. And everything that they have that is supposed to be revealed in their life is not being revealed because they're not letting the Holy Spirit reveal it. They're afraid to teach on it. They're afraid to study it. They're afraid that I might have to talk in tongues. Don't get me wrong. There was a time in my life when I sat in church, and I remember thinking, because of emotionalism, if having the Holy Ghost is going to make me do that, I ain't about to let him embarrass me. 
Now, I've eaten those words because I have done some embarrassing stuff. You can ask my wife. In the first church we pastored, Holy Spirit hit me in the middle of an altar service. We had some little bitty old school puny wood pews. And they weren't near about bolted to the floor. And I know looking at me, you think I ain't but about 150 soaking wet. But I weigh more than that. But the, the aisle, we had a, it was a shotgun church. So all we had was a big center aisle. And the center aisle was full. But the Holy Spirit had given me a word to speak to somebody, and I couldn't wait. And I took off. I had never, I've seen it done in churches, but I'd never done it. I mean, I'm a big old boy. I'm going to say the pew running for little people. And I took off running, and I hit the top of them pews. And before I knew it, I was standing on, on that pew with that person. These pews wasn't bolted to the floor. You could walk over there and do this right here, push the pew, and then fall back on the one in front behind it. So I've, I've had the Holy Spirit do some crazy things for me. But that ain't why he filled me. That was just a secondary effect of having him that he can make other things happen too. Last scripture I'm going to give you as you stand all over the house. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. As I was studying this, I came across something that was very intriguing and interesting. The word heart So I go back to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it says that there is a wisdom of God that is a mystery, a hidden mystery. And I ask, Lord, what is the church missing? And he said, they're not missing anything. He said, everything that you need is already there. It just hasn't been revealed. Because I put it on their heart and their inward parts. When I gave them my spirit, and that spirit moved on the inside of them, he was there to open those gifts. So if you need tongues and interpretations and discernment and faith and the working of miracles and the working of healings, Those things have to be revealed through the Spirit. I that do them, but it is the Spirit, which is the gift of God through His Spirit that is in us. He said, I the Spirit. Man, this, this is just this big of the whole picture of, of if I had the time to teach you today. This life is not my own. So it wasn't Josh's spirit talking about. Relation into that spirit. So as I call them from the end, it's going to be revealed. So this is my question for you this morning. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit?
full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not asking you if you've ever spoken tongues. I'm not asking you if you've ever had any of the gifts operate in you. Or gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit can speak through a donkey. So I don't want you to be like me and look at the reaction of a crowd and think whether you're right or not. I don't want you to look at whether you've ever spoken tongues or whether you've ever prophesied. Because those are spiritual gifts. He can do that. If he can speak through a donkey, he can talk in tongues through me. I want to ask you this morning, are you full of the Holy Ghost? Are you receiving revelations for why you were created? What is your purpose? I can promise you, God didn't purpose you to be a good child. That's just what you'll become, being what he purposed you for. Maybe your purpose and your destiny is beyond your vision, and it should be, because those are things that have to be revealed by God. But I want to take a moment this morning, and I'm going to do altar service a little bit different. And I'm going to ask them to play something soft, and I want you to just pray to God. And I want you to ask Him, Lord, I want you to tell Him, Lord, I want to be full of Your Spirit. I can't know what I need to know about you, Lord. I can't know what I need to know about myself without your spirit dwelling on the inside of me. And I want to be full of your spirit. I invite you into my life, Holy Spirit. I invite you to take over. I invite you to lead me, guide me, and direct me. I invite you, Lord God. And Lord, whatever I'm going to have to do as I walk in this journey, Lord, I know that I'm going to have the strength of your spirit to do it. But Lord, I want to know who I am. I want to know why I am. I want to know what I was destined for, what I was purposed for, because, God, I know I wasn't just merely a created. I was not an accident. I'm not just another person, but, Lord, I am a key piece to the kingdom of God that you are building. And, Lord, I want to do my part, so I need your spirit. There are revelations, hidden mystery, wisdom, that's already on the inside of you that you just haven't discovered. And he wants to show it to you. So I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to ask that you would just take the next few moments and that you would pray, Father, give me your spirit, for I want to know all things. Lord, thank you for the word that you have given this morning.